I'm Kate Daniels. William McCants directs the project on U.S. relations with the Islamic world at the Brookings Institution and is adjunct faculty at John Hopkins. He is a former U.S. State Department senior advisor for countering violent extremism. Today, William joins us for a conversation about his new book, The ISIS Apocalypse, The History, Strategy, and Doomsday Vision of the Islamic State. William McCants, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. My pleasure. I am really so grateful because uh, your book, The ISIS Apocalypse, so we're going to really focus the conversation this morning on ISIS. I have to say that I feel so far out of my element, which is one of the reasons I am so grateful that you are here, that this is your book, and that you have uh, such a great deal of knowledge on this subject and uh, a way to direct myself and any of us that want to learn more. uh, You're able to direct us to, to some good sources. Well, the book is definitely it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, I have a long background in, in studying this stuff. I got a PhD in early Islamic history and have been studying Al-Qaeda and groups like ISIS for over a decade. So I crammed a lot of that knowledge into the book. And it it is really so densely filled with all of this history. And so that is one thing for us to be aware of, is that the information is here. It may not be something that we're going to sit down and have a quick read at, but it is a, an important and good overview of the history of, it's really, um, it's, the recent history is really just over uh, about 12 years, isn't it? That's right. The Islamic State was founded in 2006, and uh, its predecessor, Al-Qaeda in Iraq, was founded around 2004, 2005. So that's right, about 12 years. In addition to the book and all this historic information that you share with us, another piece of your background that I think is so important to note and to really make us aware of the existence of, if we don't know it, is the Brookings Institute. Right. Brookings Institution is a 100-year-old think tank in Washington, D.C. It's one of the, the oldest think tanks uh, in the United States, and it's one of the, the few places in town where you're, you're uh, paid to write books. So uh, I have the opportunity to write books like the, the ISIS apocalypse. And so just an aside here, in terms of Brookings Institution and being a think tank, is it also a place where persons like yourself, the minds that are aware of all this information, get together to toss around ideas and, and figure out strategies and get a, a, a greater understanding? That's right, and we've all got very different perspectives. Uh, I work in the Center for Middle East Politics, uh, Policy, and, and uh, you know, some of us study uh, the Arab-Israeli conflict, some of us study the military uh, in the Middle East, uh, some of us study terrorism, some of us study religion and politics, so it makes for pretty lively and interesting and multifaceted discussion when we get together to discuss problems like ISIS. So ISIS, the ISIS apocalypse, this the word ISIS, I think for most of us, probably uh, inst- instills fear or at least this kind of feeling of, I don't know what's going on, I want to understand. 
what is your feeling? What is your stance on how the general public needs to look at this? And what do we really need to understand? Well, the first thing to understand, and particularly for Americans, is that this is a group that poses much more of a threat uh, to countries in the Middle East and in Europe than it does to the United States. If you talk to intelligence or security professionals in this country, uh, they will tell you that um, the kind of attack that we saw in San Bernardino, as horrible as it is, is a, probably as, as worse uh, uh, an event that ISIS can uh, undertake. Um, it's not able to get operatives into this country like it is into, into Paris. Um, so that's the first thing to understand, is that it, it, it does not pose a great threat to this country. It poses a threat, but not a great one. I, I would say the second thing is that the group presents itself um, as being in line with uh, Islamic scripture and Islamic teaching. And this has created a lot of confusion, uh, not only in the American public, but in Muslim publics, about whether this group is motivated by religion or not. And there's no easy answer to that question either, and I dwell on it a lot uh, in the book, and perhaps we can get into it a little bit later, but just want to flag for your listeners that that the group is deliberately uh, trying to uh, portray itself um, as an authentic expression of one of the world's uh, major religions. And yes, well, let's address that at this point in, in terms of the religion, because if, well, it is looking at it as a religion, but it's really very radical and extreme that I would think that and and we hear locally from uh, Muslims that, that this really isn't the religion that they know at all. Uh, that's right, and for, for, most, uh, for most Muslims, uh, it's really an, an alien creature. Um, it does not subscribe to the values of many, most mainstream Muslims. Um, but that's not to say that it has nothing to do uh, with the religion either. I mean, the people involved in the group, particularly at the senior levels, are pretty conversant uh, in Islamic scriptures and cite it quite often to justify uh, their behavior. But something interesting I noticed when I was working on the book is that uh, for all of their attempts to be faithful to scripture, um, there are often times when they depart from it as well, and they particularly depart from it when scripture is inconvenient uh, for the kind of insurgency they want to wage. They fight a very brutal form of insurgency, uh, one that doesn't care much for the lives of civilians and non-combatants. Um, Islamic scripture, uh, in many places, forbids that kind of warfare and, and calls on believers to exercise extreme care uh, with regards to non-combatants, and ISIS finds ways to argue around that scripture. Uh, so, you know, this question of whether it is faithful to scripture or not, um, uh, it's faithful when it is convenient for the group, and and it, for texts that are inconvenient, it tries to find a way to, to get around them. So that kind of reasoning or lack of reasoning is not anything that any 
uh, person who really wants to address this in a logical way is going to be able to deal with it. I think that's what we see. There's no way to really uh, have any kind of diplomacy when dealing with ISIS. It would be tough, uh, particularly under the current leadership. Um, they're not interested in making deals uh, with with infidels. It's, it's not to say they, they could never evolve as an organization and reach that point. Um, I'm mindful of the example of Saudi Arabia. You know, the kingdom, the Saud kingdom, uh, had two predecessors uh, that both failed. One was established uh, in the 18th century, another one in the 19th century. And they both failed uh, because they were too zealous. Uh, They were unable to really make deals with the powerful nations in their neighborhood, and they were eventually crushed by those nations. The third Saudi state, the one that's with us today, the reason it survives is because the guy at the top uh, was more pragmatic, and he was willing to cut deals with the powerful infidel nations of his day, the the British and, and then the Americans, and that's why he survived. There's nobody like that at the top of ISIS today, and they're determined to reestablish the early Islamic empire. And perhaps in the future, uh, it will produce a leader with that kind of pragmatism, but I don't see it on the horizon yet. And so what we see having happened over this decade plus is that it has grown. Uh, it continues to grow. It seems to be more brutal. As it expands like this, do we see a way to make it shrink? Is there a way to uh, really combat it and eliminate it? Um, well, I, the challenge is uh, not the organization itself so much as the political meltdown in the Middle East and North Africa. It's just creating so many more places where ISIS can go. ISIS thrives when there is a security vacuum. It thrives on chaos. And when you have so many regions in chaos, there are just so many more places uh, that it can take advantage of. Um, And so we have uh, a fight against ISIS on multiple fronts. You have the main one that everybody knows about in Syria and Iraq, but they're also growing in Libya, um, in Yemen, uh, in Egypt, uh, and in other countries uh, that are unstable or in civil war. And it's difficult to handle all of these at the same time. If this were just one country that were in free fall, Um, You could devote, the international community could devote its effort to stabilizing that country. But when it's all of the countries or many of the countries at the same time, uh, it's it's difficult or almost impossible to stabilize all of them uh, at the same time. And so ISIS takes advantage of that vacuum. So obviously there's no simple solution. The chaos that exists to I think we have tried uh, with the international community to to do something, but all it seems to do is um, maybe just add more fuel to the fire. Uh, well, it's sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Uh, I mean, for many years, um, the United States stayed out of the conflict uh, in Syria and Iraq. Uh, we got our troops out of Iraq. We weren't uh, very active in the rebellion against Assad, um, and ISIS took advantage of, the, of that, uh, took advantage of the fact that there was no real force on the ground to oppose it. Um, 
So now that we're involved, uh, it's trying to recruit on the basis of our involvement uh, as well. So, you know, it, it sees U.S. behavior, uh, either inaction or action, uh, as uh, a win, but that doesn't necessarily make it so. And I think U.S. action in the past year against ISIS in Syria and Iraq has been pretty hurtful to the group. It's lost about a quarter of its territory. It's lost tens of thousands of its fighters. Um, and I think that's one reason why uh, the group might be turning to international terrorism uh, in order to compensate for its losses. And in terms of the recruitment, that is something you were saying earlier on, William, that uh, they're more of a threat in the Middle East. But yet, do we not see youth from uh, North America being recruited, uh, and not even just that, that they are responding and, and wanting to join forces? Uh, certainly. Certainly we do. Uh, and it, it is worrisome. Uh, but there are not that many in comparison with, say, other European countries. You know, other European countries like Belgium or France uh, have a very high rate, comparatively, of young people that are joining the organization. The United States, uh, if you compare it to the other Western countries, has a relatively low rate. And I think a big reason for that uh, is that our Muslim community in, in the United States uh, is pretty integrated uh, in American society uh, and relatively affluent compared to Muslim communities uh, in Europe. So there's much less interest among the youth in groups like ISIS. And that's, of course, not to say that there isn't some interest, because we know that the FBI has over a thousand cases opened on people, uh, which sounds like a big number until you put it in comparative perspective. And also when you remember that there are millions of Muslims in this country that have no interest in the group. So is it a problem? Certainly. Is it a huge problem? No, it is not. And, and am I wrong in thinking that it's not just Muslims who are being recruited, or, or rather who are responding? It seems to me that there are young people, uh, I think both male and female, who are perhaps of no religion or certainly of some other religion that are responding. That is true, but it's it's pretty rare. Uh, usually um, you will have um, uh, young Muslims who have all of a sudden uh, been reborn, if you will, who've gotten serious about their religion all of a sudden, or new converts. Uh, to Islam that get interested in ISIS. It's it's much rarer to have somebody uh, who is a, a non-Muslim uh, get involved in the group. But I think for many uh, young people in the West who are getting involved, who don't know a lot about uh, their own religion, uh, they see it as um, the ultimate countercultural movement. They see it as a way to rebel against the Islam of their parents. They see it as a way to rebel against the West. Um, and uh, they join the group, not necessarily because they're well-read in Scripture and they think that ISIS is following Scripture, but because they see it as you know, a, the, the ultimate way to rebel against society. Which is something of each generation needing to establish themselves in, in that way, this generation perhaps uh, is with ISIS. It's their way of 
making a statement, or is that too simplistic? No, I, I think for many of them that's, that's right. And it's not to say that its religious teachings aren't attractive to them, uh, uh, but it's, it's attractive um, uh, in the way that you know, some other countercultural movements would be attractive. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm mindful of uh, uh, neo-Nazis in the West and how they recruit. You know, there's nothing more toxic or abhorrent to mainstream Western values than Nazism. Um, and it is, a, you know, it was an ideology attached to a state that was soundly defeated and reviled. Um, nevertheless, Nazis, neo-Nazis, continue to recruit young people today, uh, and they continue to commit violence uh, in the name of the, of the ideology. Uh, and uh, they trade on the fact that they are hated by society. It's one of their selling points. Uh, they trade on their pariah status, and and ISIS does something similar in its recruitment in the West. And I have thought of that analogy of Nazism back during, uh, prior to and during World War II, and Hitler's, uh, just how brutal and violent that whole time was and the elimination of a race of people or the goal of that. But his... He was not looking to conquer the world to destroy the world, which is what it feels like ISIS is. I mean, he was wanting to just overtake it. But ISIS, okay, the ISIS apocalypse, the history, strategy, and doomsday vision of the Islamic State. Doomsday, they, they seem to want to bring about the end of the world. It, it does seem that way, and it's a, it's a tension in the organization. Um, certainly... The founders of the organization in, in 2006 envisioned the world ending uh, at, any, at any day, um, and they were preparing for it. Uh, the current leaders of the organization believe the world will end, but only after they conquer all of it. Um, and it's sort of a strange idea, you know, why, why bother conquering the whole world if it's just going to fall to pieces afterwards? But they see themselves as fulfilling prophecy. Um, and they believe that the conquering of the world is going to take many years. So they, they do believe the end of the world is coming, uh, but it's going to be uh, in decades rather than in days. And is that actually part of the scriptures that there needs to be that takeover of the world in order to, to really have it end in the right way for them? Well, that's a, that's a tough one because... Uh, there are many scriptures in Islam, and most outsiders think it's just the Quran, but it isn't. Uh, the Quran is the most important scripture, but it's not the only one. There are also uh, hundreds of volumes collecting um, uh, remembrances of Muhammad's words and deeds. And Muslim scholars argue over their veracity the way that Christian scholars argue over parts of the Gospels, whether Jesus really said this or that. And it's in those scriptures that you find almost all of these prophecies. Uh, there are thousands and thousands of them, and many of them, most of them, are contradictory. And so Muslims who are interested in the prophecies spend their lives trying to reconcile the contradictions and to assemble some sort of timeline. Uh, and they never agree with one another. Now, the way the Islamic State reads things, they believe that first the early Islamic empire or the caliphate is reestablished, and they believe that they have 
uh, completed that step. Uh, then they believe that there is going to be a major fight against the infidels um, in Syria. Uh, then they will go on to conquer uh, Constantinople or Istanbul, and then Rome. Uh, and then finally, uh, the Antichrist is going to appear, and there's going to be a big showdown in Jerusalem, and then soon thereafter, the world is going to come to an end. But they see this unfolding over decades rather than in days. Yet that's not a consolation uh, to any of us, uh, and certainly not the people in the Middle East where all of this violence is occurring and lands are being destroyed and people displaced. How do they conquer that? Is it still about uh, trying to get the chaos to settle? Uh, well, yeah, I think the task for people living in the Middle East, and particularly their leadership, is, is trying to stabilize um, these various countries uh, where the civil wars are raging. The, the challenge is that the more stable states in the Middle East, um, many of them are in competition with one another. And rather than working together, uh, they are working at cross-purposes uh, in many of these uh, states that are experiencing civil war and making the situation worse. Uh, this is what we've seen happen in Syria, it's happening in Libya, in Yemen, and elsewhere. Uh, so the prospects uh, for stability in the near term are very dim. I mean, this is going to take at least a decade, if not more, to work itself out. And in the meantime, uh, ISIS is going to capitalize on the chaos uh, and use it as an opportunity to grow. For us, then, certainly understanding, getting um, insights. And I believe that your book, The ISIS Apocalypse, really does give us a, a good overview. Um, we can really look to this as a, an education, and it's going to be uh, uh, perhaps a History 300 level cl class, I would think. Well, I hope so. Uh, I wrote it in many ways uh, for my mom and dad. My mom is 70, dad's 86, and they were always asking me very basic questions about ISIS. Why do they do that? Do they really believe that stuff? And I wanted to try and answer uh, their basic questions about the group's religious ideology and its political behavior and try and solve some of these uh, basic questions that people had about the organization, and I'm lucky to have had uh, a lot of training uh, in Islamic theology, uh, but also have studied uh, ISIS and Al-Qaeda and, and other groups, uh, Islamist militants, uh, for a long time. So uh, I read their documents in Arabic um, and try to assemble what I know in a form that is accessible to readers. So we are truly the beneficiary. Thank you to your, your parents for, for being so inquisitive and being the spark uh, to elicit the book, The ISIS Apocalypse. For us, we are going to really benefit from this information because I think the education, the awareness is going to take out Hopefully it takes out the fear and frustration and maybe begins to help us collaborate on, on how to uh, build bridges, how to, at least in this country, make it stronger than maybe 
you know, if the world sees that connection with Muslims in this country rather than what we've been seeing, it would be very positive. I think so, too. And I think part of the solution here is, is standing together with Muslims that stand against ISIS, and that's most of them. ISIS is doing its best to make non-believers think uh, that they represent the religion. And they want non-believers to be suspicious of their fellow Muslims. They've, they have actually written about this in their literature. They want non-believers to be suspicious uh, and in turn uh, make Muslims paranoid about their non-Muslim neighbors and, and turn them against one another. And then ISIS hopes to recruit from those young Muslims who feel alienated in Western society. And I think the best antidote uh, to that strategy, that recruitment strategy, um, is working together uh, with Muslims who stand against ISIS. But, I, but perhaps a, a prelude to that is just a better understanding of how ISIS itself um, uses religion and where it fits into Islamic tradition. I mean, this is not an organization that is uh, ignorant of Scripture. Uh, it's not outside the bounds of the tradition. It seeks to work within the tradition and to recruit people on that basis. So it, I think it helps outsiders to understand where it comes from, what it's trying to do, and how different it is from the kind of Islam practiced by uh, most mainstream Muslims. Excellent. So this book, The ISIS Apocalypse, The History, Strategy, and Doomsday Vision of the Islamic State, is quite new. And of course, we can find it at all of our favorite book sources, correct? That's right. Yeah. It's in Barnes & Noble. It's on Amazon. It's, it's everywhere you get your books. And uh, for anyone who prefers to uh, do the ebooks, that too naturally is available. Right. Yes. So all of that from all of our favorite book sources. So as we need to be winding down and wrapping up, uh, any thoughts about, again, um, of course, being informed, educating ourselves is critical. Further to that, what would you say, William? Um, well, I, I, think, I think it's useful to uh, look at the organization um, beyond, uh, you know, not just use the religious lens, but try to understand it um, as uh, a terror group, uh, as an insurgent group, and also as a proto-state um, that is trying to build and expand an empire. And in many ways, it has to make the same kind of decisions and trade-offs uh, that other states have to make. Uh, so I would recommend using a lot of different lenses for looking at the organization and thinking about why it does what it does. And what I find interesting, too, looking at this, that there's been the destruction. Of, of course, in war, we've been very destructive as well. What happens is that that's gone on, and yet they want to use some of the latest, uh, well, ways of communicating. So it's not necessarily all that is new that is modern is something that they are against. No, that's true. They're very happy to use modern technology to further their uh, political enterprise. As much as they may rail against the West and the corruption of the West, they're very happy to use technology invented in the West if it helps their cause. 
so so that's to be understood too it's like if it if it benefits me then it it's not a bad thing but uh in general anything that is of the infidel is uh, is to be destroyed yes culturally against the west but our technology they're happy to have okay so again what it is is to understand and in the isis apocalypse you have given us really incredible and important insights, William, so that we can develop that understanding. And I think ideally, you know, reach out uh, to Muslims if we have, if we know any in our community, seek them out. I think that there are uh, local mosques that would be happy, are happy to build those kinds of meetings and perhaps even with the book to, uh, to do a book conversation. Yeah, that's right. I, I think that's right. You would find many, many Muslims uh, in your local area that would be very happy to have those conversations. Well, there, there's a project. There's something that uh, will help us to d- do something constructive and overcome the fear, get away from the fear by doing something that is positive. Right. And I don't want to make it simplistic in that way, but I think that it is so much more important to build bonds than to uh, build walls and, and uh, you know, hide ourselves away. Absolutely. And this is, this is not some, you know, uh, namby-pamby um, uh, solution to the problem. It's, it's actually a, 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 a major solution to the problem. ISIS is trying to divide Muslims and non-Muslims in this country and create suspicion between them. And the more that people work to build bridges, uh, the less that ISIS is able to do to recruit here. Excellent. So there we have it. The ISIS apocalypse. William McCants, you have done us such a great service in writing the book. Thank you for all the work that you are doing. It certainly is encouraging and hopeful. And uh, thank you so greatly for taking time with us this morning. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.